His temperament, he became more tantruming, more difficult. My boss walked in and said, how's everything going? And I started to cry. I said, Ben has been diagnosed with autism. And his first thought was, the Marino. You got to talk to Dan and Claire Marino. Welcome to the SC Featured Podcast. I'm Jen Latta. Most football fans know Dan Marino as the Hall of Fame quarterback and the face of the Dolphins for 17 years. But the people of Miami also know him for what he's contributed to their community. In 1992, midway through his career, he and his wife Claire started the Dan Marino Foundation, aimed to support programs for children with special needs. It was an initiative close to the Marino's hearts, since their son Michael was diagnosed with autism in the 1990s. Since its creation, the Marino Foundation has helped thousands of families and children in South Florida, including one young man you're about to meet. With more, here's Monday Night Countdown reporter Michelle Beisner-Buck. Before each Miami Dolphins home game, 22-year-old Ben Gora arrives for work. Morning. Welcome to Guest Experience. I'm Ben Gora. In reality, it can get a little rough you know, when it comes to kids like me with autism, but, you know, eventually it gets better as you go along. For things to get better, opportunity needs to knock. Coming. Hey, everybody. For Ben, Miami Dolphins Hall of Fame quarterback Dan Marino helped provide that opportunity. What's up, man? Hey. Everything okay? Yeah, great. Good. It is special for Ben to be working here at the stadium and seeing him develop over, you know, the last year or so or even more than that. It just gives you a great feeling. Give me a squeeze, dude. Okay. All right. (laughs) All right, Ben. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Ben's journey has been a long time coming. When he was two years old, his mother, Belinda Lerner, began noticing something different about her son's behavior. His temperament, he became more tantruming, more difficult. We ultimately had him tested, and when uh, the diagnosis came back, it was pervasive developmental delay, not otherwise specified, which essentially means autism. The idea of normal relationships, normal school experiences, friends, any kind of jobs, college, all of that was an uncertainty. At first I had a little hard time adjusting to what I had and what other kids had too, you know, like, you know, like I couldn't stand to be anywhere near them because they were always, they screamed or shouted or... That was the hard part for you? The news of Ben's diagnosis was devastating. But when Belinda returned to work at the NFL League office, where she has been employed for almost 25 years, a life-changing suggestion gave her hope. My boss walked in and said, how's everything going? And I started to cry. I said, Ben has been diagnosed with autism. And his first thought was, the Marinos. You got to talk to Dan and Claire Marino. My son Michael was diagnosed with autism when he was two years old. Michael is, you know, 27 now and has done really well. 
the first things we were doing was to have a developmental program for young kids. But then as time goes on, you know, the system kind of drops kids after they get through high school, you know, from you know, ages 18 to 25, 26. The former Dolphins QB opened up the Marino campus in 2013. Ben enrolled there in 2016, giving him a chance to continue his education. Their focus was on vocational and living skills, and we knew that that's what Ben needed. College was an inappropriate placement for him. To me, it was a little difficult, you know, because honestly, I was kind of scared. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what the rules were. But, you know, in time, I, you know, in time, I learned from my mistakes and, you know, just adjusted to this, to the system of the school. Ben excelled. And this past May, he graduated. Just like most graduates, Ben is finding his place in the workforce. You have a new job. I do. What do you do? I'm a guest experience attendant at the Hard Rock Stadium. So walk me through your day at work. Okay. My dad drops me off at the front of the stadium. And I clock in every morning. And what do you do once you're in the stadium and it's time for work? Well, I say hello to my boss. How was your night? Good, good. Great, great. Ready to work? Yes, yes I am. And just ask what's the schedule for today and I ask if there's anything particular she needs me to do. I wish this on nobody. I don't ask anybody to be a parent of a child with autism. But my life and my heart have grown exponentially because he's in my life. How hopeful are you for Ben's future? I think the possibilities are limitless, and that's really because that's Ben. He surprises me all the time. Still to come on the SC Featured Podcast, we'll have more of our interviews with Ben Gora and his mother Belinda about their journey and how they faced autism together. But first, a special thank you to all of you guys listening out there. If you like what you hear... Don't forget to subscribe to the SC Featured Podcast on Apple Podcasts and add us to your favorites in the ESPN app. I said, so did you ever think that, you know, maybe you're autistic? No. The label is just not something that attaches to him. Is there anything that you want the world to know about you? Um... Let no one stop you for doing what you love. I'm Jen Latta, and you're listening to the SC Featured Podcast. We've been talking about Ben Gora and his connections to Hall of Fame quarterback Dan Marino. Here's more of Monday Night Countdown reporter Michelle Beisner-Buck's interview with Ben and his mother Belinda back in Fort Lauderdale at the Marino campus. Okay, so let's start first with what you do and what your connection to the NFL is. My name is Belinda Lerner, and I am the executive director for the NFL Player Care Foundation, and I'm also the vice president for um, former player benefits. I came to know the Dolphins back in the day when I was litigating and representing clubs and grievances. Um, and so the Dolphins would be one of the teams that I would go to and try to represent in these injury grievances. When Ben got diagnosed, I sort of became the point person at the NFL for autism. So when he was first diagnosed, um, it wasn't a clear autism uh, diagnosis. It was some How old was he when he was first diagnosed? He was two. 
I had noticed that Ben was starting to lose some of um, some of his skills. His language was starting to to pull back. His temperament he became very um, more tantruming, more um, more difficult. Having said that, he was a very colicky, tantruming baby, so it wasn't that atypical. Um, but he was very delayed in language, and we ultimately had him tested. And when uh, the diagnosis came back, it was pervasive developmental delay, not otherwise specified, which essentially means we don't know. And I asked the doctor, I said, I know what those words mean individually. What does it mean collectively? And he said autism. And for me, my framework for autism was Rain Man. So I said to him, you mean like Rain Man? And he said, well, yeah. All of those idealized, you know, dreams you have for your child are discarded, right? So the idea of normal relationships, normal school experiences, friends, um, dating, all of that, all, any kind of jobs, college, all of that was an uncertainty because at that point in time, um, we had no idea what to expect. We didn't know, you know, when you have a typical child, there's plenty of books that'll tell you, you know, there's crawling, there's walking, there's, and it goes on and on, and you know the developmental stages. With Ben, no one knew what was going to happen. I think the first time I really cried with Ben was when he graduated from the Marina School. And it was, and it was a double-edged sword. I was very proud of him for graduating, but by the same token, I realized, well, this is the end of the line for him in terms of school. What's next? And then... And how much did that scare you? A lot. I was really worried that he was going to go from having at least a structured school um, and social experience, because they include that, to having to sit at home and do nothing but watch TV or play on the computer all day. Um, and that really scared me. Here's more from my interview with Ben Gora. Okay, so we're sitting here at the Marino campus where you went to school. What does it feel like to be back here? It takes me back to some good memories back when I was uh, first a student here. Well, to me, it was a little difficult, you know, because honestly, I was kind of scared. You know, when I, you came here? Yeah, when I first came here, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what the rules were and, you know, but, you know, in time, I, you know, in time, I learned from my mistakes and, you know, just adjusted to this, to the system of the school. What did you learn when you were here? What did they teach you? Uh, computer fundamentals. You know, like basically like how to avoid viruses and how to avoid certain websites. You know, like what's, oh, uh, like, the, like the S at the end of HTTP. Yeah. yeah, like it means secure, for example. Who knew? I need to take this class. You could teach me. I don't know those things. Yeah, well, I, you... Yeah, I, I'm still a bit of a rookie at it, but, you know, I try to learn, you know, not to go on certain things that I probably shouldn't. Right. That's good. And then when you were here, they did some job training for you as well, right? Sure did. Okay. And what did you think of that program? It was a little nerve-wracking. I th at first, I thought I had it, but I always kept forgetting my lines and like forgetting the proper way to introduce myself and you know, like when it came to a job interview at Vita. Right, right. That's the virtual training program, right? Yep. The Vita. I think it's pretty cool though that they have different um, they have different approaches. So if you were gonna go into the hospitality field, then they have an avatar for that. And that's pretty cool, right? Did you learn some good things from that? 
Yeah, a little. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't done it in a long time, but yeah, I've learned a couple of things from it. And I also understand that you are an incredible artist. I am. May I? I'm just going to hold this up because this is impressive. You did this in under an hour. Tell me all about this drawing. Okay. Well, that these characters are my own characters. You know, they're not from DC, not from Marvel, not from Cartoon Network, not from Nickelodeon or anything. Just my own characters in general. Like, but they're celebrating the foot the football season. You know, of course. Or on their world, it would be called Slam Ball. There's Jet Johnson wearing the the Dan Marino 13 and the face paint, you know, and the bleachers on his face. And two, those two characters are his best friends and best friends and teammates. Uh, Speed Burst and Titanium Tail. Wow. And you just this came to you while you were sitting in the other room when I was doing interviews. This just came to you. Um, a little earlier, but yeah. That's pretty amazing. Once again, Belinda Lerner. So when Ben was in his last year of high school, he had to have an internship. Um, and a, there was a friend by the name of Michael Rosen who worked for Autism Speaks. Um, I got to know him, and I said, listen, do you know anybody who might be able to offer an internship to Ben? He said, why doesn't he work for me? I said, terrific. Michael was involved with putting things on their sites and on blogs and asked Ben to participate. So he came up with something called Agents of Autism. And so it was superheroes who each had, and each of them having at least one autistic trait. And he came up with this whole storyline around it. And um, the, the funny part about Ben is um, he is not really aware that he's autistic. So when I asked him about agents of autism, and I said, Ben, I said, when you study that, I said, does some of that sound familiar to you? And he's like, well, yeah. I said, well, you talk about this one who, whatever this the particular, I can't even remember now what the particular um, super strength was or what his limitation was. And I said, well, you, you have that limitation. Yeah. I said, so did you ever think that, you know, maybe you're autistic? No. No, he doesn't. If you tell, he I, he does not have that awareness. And still to this day, and he's 22. The, he's 22, and he still doesn't have that awareness. I remember when he first got the job at Autism Speaks, and I spoke to Michael Rosen, and I said, listen, I just wanted to tell you, I know you're all about autism, right? Ben's not really aware that he's autistic. He's what? I said, yeah, he really doesn't get it. So he goes, okay. So I said, so if you say something to him and he doesn't respond as if, well, of course, it's someone like me, just know that we've tried to have this conversation and the label is just not something that attaches to him. Mm. Um, and I've tried that conversation a number of times and it just doesn't resonate with doesn't him. Connect. Yeah, it doesn't huh. connect with him. So I just stopped with the label. I just stopped with the label. How but would you describe where his condition is on the spectrum of autism? So he's high functioning. Um, so typically Asperger's is considered high functioning, but that's also generally just um, social inappropriateness. Ben has more um, more issues than that. So he um, and I think he does fairly well socially, but he has learning disabilities as an overlay on this. So he's high functioning. You know, he can certainly hold a conversation. Um, he's able to certainly dress, feed, all of those skills himself. Um, he does these fabulous, you know, um, drawings and storylines. I know he, at times he struggles tying his shoes though.
I don't know if he'll ever be able to drive um, because he's not capable of that kind of um, planning um, to do that type of thing. So yes, he's high functioning, but there's an overlay of a lot of reading disabilities and math disabilities that's going to always keep him back. And now, Ben Gora. What is life like for you now? It's getting better. Yeah. Yeah. You have a new job. I do. What do you do? I'm a guest experience attendant at the Hard Rock Stadium. That's fantastic. So you are there at Hard Rock Stadium, where Dolphins games are played. Uh huh. Do you get a chance to watch any of the games? Not so much. Because you're working. Yes. Because you're busy. Because I'm busy. You're yes. supporting the support staff, right? Yep. What kind of things do you do when you support the support staff? I help them give them what they need, like unif, like uh, like uniforms, and um, I also give out walkie-talkies in case they need to communicate with each other, and ISCs for guests because they're like these little iPod things that like help help the guests yeah coming to the stadium find their seats, find whatever they need to go where they shouldn't be. Oh, that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, but I just help out with it. I don't really get involved with it too much. But yeah. do you like it? Yeah, I'm starting. Yeah, I'm starting to really like this job. That job. What would you want to do if you could pick your career? What would you want to do? Well, <laughs> when I was younger, all I've ever really wanted was to be like the characters I made up, you know, like or drew or saw on TV or. But that wasn't going to go anywhere anytime soon. So I did the next best thing. I created the the that world. You know that you know, like you know, like I could create the superheroes that I could relate with. You know that other kids could relate with. My dream was to bring them to TV one day. How cool would that be? Very, just like my. Just like my heroes, Craig McCracken and Jendi Tartakovsky, the creators of Powerpuff Girls, Samurai Jack, and Dexter's Laboratory. Wow. And why why are they your heroes? Because well, they made great cartoons that I've admired ever since I was a kid. And well, you know, I've always admired their style of animation. And when I was eight years old, visiting my dad at his work. Yeah, you know, like I was looking on the computer, looking for the same guy who did the Powerpuff Girls, Craig McCracken, working on a new show called Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was playing a game based on the based off of the show. While I was playing the game, I said to myself, "Boy, I love cartoons so much." Which that's when it hit me that yeah, you know, that I loved animation so much that I wanted to continue their legacy. F- like for a long, the legacy of old school Cartoon Network for a long time, that I wanted to be just like Craig McCracken and Jendi Tartakovsky, you know, like creating cartoon characters and superheroes and stuff like that. I love that. That's a good career to shoot for, right? But in the meantime, you're going to go to Hard Rock Stadium. Pretty much. And you're going to help the people out there. Yeah. Yeah. And you like it. Yeah, I do. Yeah,、uh, it's growing on me. Is there anything that you want the world to know about you? Um, let no one stop you for doing what you love. How hopeful are you for Ben's future? 
I think the possibilities are limitless, and that's really because that's Ben. He surprises me all the time. Uh, you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> yeah, he's uh, he's. Uh, he, I wish this on nobody. I don't ask anybody to be a parent of a child with autism. But my life and my heart have grown exponentially because he's in my life. If you were to rewrite the journey? I'm writing it now with him. I'm still waiting to see what comes next. A big thank you to Michelle, Ben, and Belinda for joining us this week. On behalf of the SC Featured Podcast team, thanks to all of you for listening. Until next time, I'm Jen Latta.